1-855-454-3221. I'm John Miglash for the Wisconsin DMA and the International Society for Strategic Marketing. Be like PlusNet. PlusNet's a phone company, and he says, do a Mark Ritson. And he talks about, he says the average airline pilot is 45 years old and knows all about Chuck Yeager, who recently passed away this week at 97. And Chuck was a mountain of a man and always understated, always soft-spoken, broke the sound barrier and almost broke the plane when he did. Apparently some people had died trying to break the sound barrier because when you get near it, the plane starts to shake and fall apart. And a couple of them did. And what Chuck did, which was a little insane, but worked out, uh, was give it the gas. <laughs> Ritson doesn't mention that, but I think that might be appropriate in this article. And so um, he points out, here's Chuck Yeager's profile picture when he broke the sound barrier. He says, no brag, just fact, nothing but he says it's like a, the negative of every CMO profile you ever saw, where they're trying to look cool and they're trying to look like they're do, they've done something. I don't know about my profile picture. I'm walking my daughter down the aisle, so it wasn't it wasn't made for TV. Um, but anyway, so there's Chuck Yeager, and Yeager used to talk about his early experiences of flying. The first time I ever saw a jet, he said quietly, "I shot it down." When he was breaking the sound barrier, uh, he radioed his base, realizing that he can't say, I just broke the sound barrier, because in those days, people could l- l- listen in. He said, there's something screwy with, with my Mach meter. And that was like a coded way of letting him know he had just passed Mach 1. Then he landed his plane, had a couple of drinks with his team, and that was it. Okay, so how to do a Ritzen. Uh, you know, when you fly after the plane gets up in the air, it doesn't matter where the pilot's from. It doesn't seem to matter if they're male or female or whatever. <laughs> they just, they always, here's the pilot. Well, we're just past 35,000 feet. We expect a nice flight, nice smooth flight. And if things work out well, we may get you into the gate 10 or 15 minutes early. We'll see. Have a nice day. And all the pilots always, good morning, Tom. All the pilots always have that deep sort of southern accent to make you feel really calm. And that's apparently called doing a Jaeger, especially if you're in the middle of a plunge into the ocean or something. Um, I I listened to uh, Robert Kiyosaki a few times. We had dinner a couple times. And uh, he'd talk about uh, how he crashed three helicopters in Vietnam. And the first time he did it, uh, when you're when you're when your helicopter is getting shot down, one of the things you have to do is your tendency is to pull back on the stick, try to get altitude. But what you got to do is you got to push the nose down so that you get speed. And if you get speed, the ra- the rotors will keep going and you can feather it in and land. You can con- have a controlled crash and not kill everybody, including yourself. And he said, you practice it and you practice it in flight simulators. But he said, when it actually happens, you know, uh, it's like, mayday, mayday. Please help me. <laughs> so if you can do that with the southern drawl, uh, that's called doing a Jaeger, apparently. So what does that have to do with marketing? Well, there's a few marketing legends, but um, mostly we just do our own thing. 
And apparently there's a company that's called PlusNet, and they also own BT and EE. Now, I'm not familiar with these because they're British brands, but I know like in Spain, there was, there was one main gas company, gasoline gas stations. They owned three different brands. They owned the low-price brand, they owned the mid-price brand, and they owned the premium brand. And they worked really hard to keep them separate. But what tends to happen with the same management team is you tend to use, you know, you tend to fight over the same companies and the same customers. And uh, you tend to blur it all together. Ritson says, your your blue, red, and green brands have merged into three vaguely uh, poop-colored identikit offerings. Or identical. Uh, Smashed more by more focused single-minded competitors okay so keep it separate so stratton who's the president of of uh plus net came up with the idea that we should do a real value commercial and uh so he created a plus net that'll do claw video okay so and i actually have the claw video so let's see if i can get it over there to to youtube we'll go over here and change channels here there we go oops I don't know if I'm gonna yeah there it goes kids work in the claw machine out comes 3d goggles it looks like oh no it's a whole robot that'll do in Yorkshire when we say that'll do it means it'll more than do great value broadband award-winning customer service for only $22.99 a month That'll do. Okay, so PlusNet, nice and pink. The colors stand out, they pop, but the idea is that the kid wins a robot in the claw machine. Now, you have to get it down the little chute, so he may not get that claw machine, but he says, that'll do. In other words, it's way beyond the little stuffed animals that you get in the claw machine, and that'll do means it's a good deal in Yorkshire. And uh, so... Ritson goes on to say, let's go back to Ritson. Isn't this wonderful? How high tech it is today? <laughs> okay. He says, the PlusNet team will relentlessly and offensively deliver that message with the same blend instrument of a, pa- a palette of codes that will never change. Pink, that'll do. And uh, PlusNet connects with the message, saving money on your broadband and being no nonsense. Right. How about that? Clear, simple, practical brand positioning, tight, relentlessly applied codes, then repeat forever without any effing about or fanciness. And he'd said, I'd love to be that to become known as doing a Ritson, although it probably should be known as doing a Stratton because he's the one who did all the work. But Ritson then goes on to talk about how PlusNet, how the PlusNet approach or doing a Ritson are are they special in any way? Do they deviate from traditional brand management? No, they don't. They really don't. Okay? And you can get these show notes in this article on WDMA website if you subscribe, which is free, or you can join us and support our cause to better marketing, direct marketing, and especially direct mail uh, globally. Okay, so... But he says what's really happening in the real world of marketing is that we, especially with the Internet, I think, and digital, is the tactics of invaded strategy, purpose-bent brands, uh, uh, 
bent brands into all kinds of stupid shapes, and time horizons went from years to weeks. They wank about with politically correct, commercially appalling agendas that have almost no efficacy or any potential to generate value. And, lucky for them, digital has very poor attribution, so you don't have any way to tell how terrible it is, right? Most marketers don't believe in positioning anymore. They've been influenced by an over-educated, under-experienced marketing Twitterati that keep talking about differentiation. All brands are perceived to be the same, they say. Once you control for size, brands don't have any relative differentiating from the others in the category. Well, partly that's because you have these little dippy messages that have nothing to do with your product. That product on PlusNet is clear. The message is clear. You want low price broadband? This is where you get it. You know, it's so straightforward. I highly recommend Scientific Advertising at scientificadvertising.com. Claude Hopkins, it's a 100-page book. Read about the history of, of what works in advertising based on the direct mail preceding uh, body of evidence from the 50 years before 100 years ago. So it's a 100-year-old book about the 50 years before it. It's a really great perspective. Okay, the the asymmetrical nature. Here's the asymmetrical nature. Okay, there's it takes it takes eight months to create an ad, to create a 30 second ad, and three seconds to ignore it, if you even notice it at all. Right? The asymmetrical nature of how marketers do marketing versus how consumers do consumption needs to be the first thing we think about each day, right? We used to think about how direct mail, would you get one second or two seconds, but at least you get it. Now, with digital, you don't even get that. It's probably your advertising to bots. People, real people may not even see your ad. But you do get 100% engagement in mail. The decision maker in the household looks at the piece and decides whether it stays or goes or get set aside for for further analysis later, okay? So ads pass target consumers like ships in the night with almost no awareness or attribution. Attribution is key, especially in mass media or in digital. So you need a logo plus three or four codes, and then you need to spend a, dis a disciplined decade just making sure that everything's painted from that palette. And you know what happens? Your agency will grow bored and suggest a color change. Absolutely. But if they don't know it's you, then all bets are off. That's the problem with that Dutch commercial. You have to wait till, the, till, till three minutes in before you know who, who's doing it. They might catch you. They might catch your attention because it goes on and on and on. Okay, who knows? The message is worth watching, though. Okay, so how do you persuade a company to be more long-term? My stock answer is to recommend sitting back in a meeting, letting off a giant sigh, then shouting, I just can't stand to see you short-term ROI junkies losing so much money. Okay? Now, it's interesting because I was talking with one of the board members, and they said, you know, direct mail is just so slow to test. Yeah, that's true. But you know what? You learn something for sure. You can find out for sure what really works long-term. And that's worth 
millions, right? You find one or two variables that matter in real machine learning modeling that you can understand, and it's worth millions over and over and over. Okay, every single study points the same cor correlation, positive correlation between length and impact. Keep at it. I just bought something from a catalog that I bought from 38 years ago. 38 years ago, I think was the last time I bought from them. And you know what? They have similar products today. And I decided to buy from them again. They keep at it. And I recognize their name. I recognize their, their value. And sure enough, and I got on with customer support the other day, and they did a great job, just excellent. Okay? You need to be more long-term because it makes you more money. But it takes time. Okay? You need three or four years to get to a place of familiarity, differentiation, and advocacy. Okay? You have to make decisions on, on positioning, and then the hardest part is hold the wheel and drive your branding ship toward the horizon. Okay, this is as much an echo to the great direct mail companies like Land's End and especially L.L. Bean that have stayed the course. And let's not forget Hamaker Schlemmer, the oldest catalog in America, one of my very favorites. Okay, who also let us do their circulation for the last few years. I should mention that, I suppose. He actually has a five-year simulation. We teach direct mail cataloging with a five-year simulation. And uh, we did it just a couple of years ago for the USPS. Okay? And they, it, it will emphasize the same thing. It was amazing that Ritson comes to the same thing. He evaluates their share price at the end of five, a five-year period, which is exactly what we do. We do the same thing. We do evaluation of the company year by year by year and show them how the company's valued and how staying the course matters. I was amazed. You know, of course I came up with that in 1987 or something. Okay? Uh, it's the brand manager that supports long-term brand budgets who eventually smashes the sim as brand equity builds and starts to catalyze the impact of short-term marketing efforts. The brand starts to gain traction and by year five, they have a decent share price, a spanking grade, and most importantly, a big fat lesson in holding the wheel. I'll never forget when we did the simulation at Land's End. And uh, Jill Palamountain, who was running their circulation, came from behind and beat Mike Smith, who went on to be president. It was quite an adventure. <laughs> she came from behind to win in the fifth year because she figured out what was working, and she nailed it. Man, we had cheering. We had we had one of the greatest times. She she talked about it years and years later. Mike Smith did too, about how what a, what a great time that was. There's something about that. I highly recommend it if you have a catalog company and you can't hire people that come out of the university with direct mail background. Again, get in touch with me at wdma.org, john at wdma.org, and we can talk about the catalog simulation, one of the greatest brand buildings. But if you have a bunch of interns that don't have any background in mail, it helps them understand what you're up to. Well, anyway, hold your nerve. Think about the long term. 
that's really what drives the great catalogs of America. We realize that a, that a customer, you know, I started buying from Land's End in the 70s. Land's End, Land's End, and I got my Christmas special <laughs> this year already. <laughs> yeah, 70s, gee whiz. It's coming up on 50 years of buying from Land's End. Think long term. Think about knowing something for sure. There's a huge value in it. There's money in holding your nerve. I'm John Miglosh. Merry Christmas. Have a great day. Like and share. Your friends will know you're smart. Bye-bye.